0: either one of these any good wow this is a good movie it's pretty good well the director from yesterday doesn't think so it
1: stinks you sorry you waste all our film (laughs) it's so bad
0: welcome in one of us is playing hurt this week (laughs) hope is under the weather welcome this is the screening room podcast she is an ailing hope madden but toughing it out thank you very much I am George Wolf, and we are from MadWolf.com. Back to check out uh, the latest movies. See what's worth it this week, and we will start with a sci fi thriller. Tensions flare in the near future aboard the International Space Station as a conflict breaks out on Earth. Reeling, the U.S. and Russian astronauts receive orders from the ground take control of the station by any means necessary. It's ISS. Whoa. On January 19th. Who survives the war on Earth?
1: The most valuable thing we have on board is a treatment for radiation sickness.
0: It Will be decided in space. They told us to take the ISS by any means necessary. The Russians got the same words as us. Oh my God.
2: ISS. You would be the hero with the cure while the rest of us die. No! Radar, Only theaters January 19th. I feel like this movie has a great premise. Um, and and it looks pretty good too. Uh, Ariana DeBose plays the new science officer who gets rotated into this this space station, which is a small, claustrophobic little space. There are three Russian cosmonauts. There are three American astronauts. She's the newest. Uh, there's zero gravity, so she's got to get used to that. And then the very the the, the day after she arrives, they're looking out. At the beautiful Earth down below, and they see like this, you know, big flash of light, and then another, and then another, and then another, and then they get word that uh, Russia and the United States are engaging in nuclear war, and that's when, as the you know, as as the summary says, they're they're supposed to take the ISS. Um, and it's a it's a great premise, I think.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's also because they've part of the reason they 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 tell them to take it is because there's something. There's a bit of technology on board that now is very, very valuable, right, right? without giving away too much. Yeah, it is an interesting premise, and uh, the writer is uh, Nick Shafir, and what caught my eye is the director. The yeah. director is Gabriella Copperthwaite, who, if you remember Blackfish, she did Blackfish, that very, yeah. very influential documentary from years ago. And then she did a, a movie called Megan Levy, uh-huh. uh, based on a true story about a woman and a combat dog that was decent. Uh-huh. It was decent. Ah, uh, this one. There's a few things that uh, that are interesting about the movie. Number one, well, as you were saying right after you saw it, it's rated R, and we don't know why.
2: Yeah, I think that that's really going to really hamper its box office. Partly because I think people who are going to see it as as a rated, they're going to expect a, it to be more a, of an action movie or, or a horror movie, really, and, and it certainly is neither of those things. There's there's no blood. Um, and, you know, unless I'm misremembering, I don't even think there's any real language. So I don't know why it got the R rating. I think that's going to be problematic.
0: Well, just according to IMDb, it says rated R for some violence and language. Well, some, but not really enough to get an R rating, you wonder, because you talk about the box office p- potential of yeah. that being being muted a little bit by an R rating, but it is curious. But also I thought you know maybe nitpicky they could have picked a more exciting title than ISS <laughs> but the main thing the main problem is as you said there's a good premise here that's hampered by poor poor execution,
2: execution yeah i do like uh i do like the camera work there's uh because it's it, i mean it's very limited you know you're either inside this very small space station with these people uh and and so there are two different can one is uh like a stationary um a security camera and, and and they don't use it to, they don't go overboard with it so it does kind of give you the sense that you're peeking at something you're not supposed to see which mm-hmm. I think really amplifies the tensions and then the other is because there is zero gravity which is interesting for an action movie because the action is very slow moving you know <laughs> but I think the the camera itself has the feel of zero gravity the camera yeah, floats cool. around a little bit and it does it gives you this sense of of helplessness yeah and then there's not a lot that shot, you know, sort of outside the space station, but there is a little bit. And, like you know, I don't want anybody to think it's going to be like gravity and, you know, this is not quaron <laughs> but it is pretty effective, especially because, you know, when you, when you see sort of beyond the astronaut and you see beyond the space station, you know, you do see the earth on fire and that's a little alarming. I yeah. mean, I think there are some great elements here The the two big problems one is it then it just throws t- there's too many additional storyline issues which um you don't need the stakes are high enough um and then the other thing is that every performance really pretty one note
0: yeah the cast uh, you mentioned uh ariana DeBose, uh, also chris messina um john gallagher jr who we always call good guy jim, right, from, good guy jim. Uh, from the newsroom years ago that's how we first started podcasting wasn't it we had a podcast about the newsroom I think we're back dead, in the yes. day also yeah. an actor we love pilu asbeck he's
2: he's very good actually chris pine and pilu, pilu asbeck they both managed to find a little bit of depth in their characters but th- the rest really don't
0: yeah and also it's one of those uh, i think back to the recent furor over the ending of leave the world behind yeah. it's one of those endings that i don't think people are going to be satisfied no,
2: with no it's no it's kind of it's dumb really the end is the end is kind of dumb yeah, so the, yeah. the whole was, thing
0: the whole thing takes a, a, a promising premise and sort yeah. of wastes it yeah. yeah. and that is out in uh, theaters this weekend called
1: ISS
0: <laughs> next up is a film getting limited release uh, in theaters this weekend and then hopefully wider in the future this focuses on the unspoken system that has shaped America and it chronicles how lives today are defined by a hierarchy of human divisions it's Aver DuVarnay's Origin all over the place
2: There's connective tissue. All of this, all of it, is linked.
0: This is just a fascinating, fascinating movie. I really didn't know much about it. And actually, if you just take a look at the poster, the way that she's looking at the sky, you might think, oh, it's some sort of sci-fi thing. <laughs> Not at all. It, it's so compelling, and as I've been saying to everyone as I've been talking about this movie, it might just change the way you look at the world. It is based on a nonfiction book by a Pulitzer Prize-winning writer named Isabel Wilkerson. And normally, this, this is a movie that's so full of theories and facts and history, you might think it's usually the kind of book that is made into a documentary. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've seen um, Ava DuVarnay do great documentaries Thirteenth yeah. years ago. But this one, when you think about why did she not do it as a documentary? And I think it's because she she chooses to also make it not only about what what the book is about, but the journey that led the author, Isabel Wilkerson, to write the book, which is also fascinating, and it adds a, a different human element to it. But basically, um, we meet the the writer, Isabel Wilkerson, and she is played by Ingenue Ellis Taylor. Oscar nominee, always great. Yes. She's tremendous here. And she has she's already won her Pulitzer Prize, and she's being prodded by her editors and her colleagues to write uh, about the murder of Trayvon Martin, which mm-hmm. has just taken place. Right. That's the time setting that we're in. But she's hoping to take a hiatus to care for her elderly mother, and even her husband, played by John Bernthal, who's wonderful, uh, says that she's she's happier when she's working. But she her her mind is sort of restless because she says, "I write answers, I don't write questions." And not only the the Trayvon Martin uh, tragedy, but then uh, Charlottesville, and then other other tragic events like that uh, are rising in America. And she's just she says that, according to her, she says racism is not sufficient enough to explain it all. You know, she's restless about what is, what else is going on, and that's what she doesn't feel she can write until she uncovers that. And so as the movie chronicles her personal journey in leading her to that place, then it also rolls out what she found, and she starts doing research in America's Deep South, and then she goes to Germany for research, and she goes to India for research, and basically what she found and what she Uh, rolled out in the book is the fact that there's an underlying caste system that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years around the world. And these caste systems, all in different countries, are perpetuated by unending violence until such time as the unnatural social order is viewed as natural. And it's just it's so compelling and 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 eye opening and insightful, and at the same time you get her personal journey so so you as well as as uh, as Wilkerson finds these connective tissue between all these different events, Duvernay is able to find this connective tissue between intimate trauma because during this time Wilkerson herself also suffers some very very personal losses, very heartbreaking losses so she makes a, a connection between these intimate traumas. And the more systemic traumas, and the and the basic idea is any kind of trauma like this, it has to be confronted. It must be confronted and exposed, and and that is what she was doing with her book, and that is what this movie is doing. And it's it's just so fascinating. The performances across the board are great. It also features Nisi Nash as uh, Isabel's cousin, and Duvernay is able to find ways to make the the lectures, I guess, for lack of a better word, feel organic because there is, especially in the third act, it does get lecture heavy. But because she's a she's a a scholar and, and gives presentations, you get some history that way where she's in front of a crowd with a PowerPoint sort of thing, giving presentations. And also then when she's explaining to her cousin some of her findings, it feels organic as we're being talked to and, and, and given these points of history that many of us, including myself, didn't know. So it does feel organic, even though the end, like I said, does get pretty talky and pretty lecture-heavy, but it's so fascinating and so insightful and so worth seeing. And it, it's certainly not a I I I doubt it's a um, substitute for the book, but it might lead you, as as I am now, uh, spurred to get the book, to get an even deeper dive, and I, and you'll get a probably a, a deeper understanding because this gives you— the feeling like you know the author a little bit better and what led her to this discovery. So big recommendation. Yeah, it really just might change the way you you see the world around you. And it's just a, a really compelling, human, funny in spots too, tender, poignant, and yes, heartbreaking. Some of the scenes are, are hard to watch and hard to hear about, but necessary. And so big recommendation for the film Origin out in limited release this week in theaters. Next up, an introspective romantic drama. A screenwriter drawn back to his childhood home enters into a fledgling relationship with a mysterious neighbor as he then discovers his parents appear to be living just as they were on the day they died 30 years before. This is called All of Us Strangers. Hello. Hi. Saw you looking at me from the street. I'm assuming you're not with anyone. never see you with anyone. This your mom and dad? Yeah. They died
2: just before I was 12. I'm trying to write about them at the moment. How's it going? Strangely. Hi. Hi. Is this real? Does it feel real?
0: This is the latest from co-writer and director Andrew Haig. Mm-hmm. Did forty-five years. Yeah, I love that yeah. movie. Did a, a, a movie that a lot of people love called Lean on Pete. Yep, and this one is really effective, and it's it's just it's so small and it's quiet and it's graceful and it's meditative. But it's one of those where you just just be quiet and let it work on you.
2: Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's just a magical experience, really. And Andrew Scott is the lead, and he plays the writer. Paul Mescal, who's always wonderful, plays uh, the only other man living in their building. So it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah. fairly new building, a, a new construction, and they're the, really the only two people living in it yet. And then he goes home to his childhood home to do some research about that for the screenplay that he's writing. And yeah, Claire Foy and um, Jamie Bell play his parents, looking exa- exactly as, as they did when he left them in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just these four people in different scenes. All four of them are just magnificent. They really they're are. They're so good. Um, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a, for most of it, it's really a movie about looking back on who you are and sort of, I think, trying to forgive or accept the people yes. who maybe let you down without meaning to. I mean, there are some incredibly moving oh, moments. Re-
0: especially between Jamie Bell and uh, Andrew Scott. Um, yeah moving and yeah just full of forgiveness and, and understanding after a long time yeah just heartbreaking but also one of reconciliation.
2: Yeah, but at the same time it's it's an interesting movie. It really dances between genres, you know it's obviously a bit of a ghost story sort mm-hmm. of yeah and um, it, it's so it's so achingly lonesome. This movie is it's really, really lovely and and at the same time, just devastating.
0: It is. And it's also a, a real antithesis to a lot of things you might see in the theater right now. This it's it's so quiet it's and so, so yeah. contemplative. Mm-hmm. And it's another one that might point to when when people say, as they often do, nothing but sequels and superhero movies out now that no there are plenty of other things oh yeah
2: this is this is really not like anything else you've seen
0: no exactly and it's so worthwhile you're right it's mainly mainly four mm-hmm. main performances yeah. all of them all of them are great and you'll just you'll just get sucked into the to the characters and yeah. their 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 journeys especially this one personal journey as he tries to make to make sense of of his past Mm. and his his relationships. Yeah, and it is heartbreaking, but also very beautiful. And uh, another great success, a very effective film by uh, co-writer and director Andrew Hagen. It's out in theaters now called. And this is getting some... It's definitely getting got some... Um, Oscar buzz a little so, bit. And some yeah. uh, during awards season because yeah, this is just, one that does count as last year yeah, for awards season. Yeah, it does. And, it, season. and
2: it, uh, it got, I think, seven BAFTA
0: nominations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, definitely worth checking out. It's called All of Us Strangers. Oh, how about this next one? A comedy horror mystery? A small town is shaken by a series of ominous killings in the days leading up to a heated mayoral election. It's called Founder's Day. <laughs>
2: Someone is killing our children. Someone hell bent on uprooting life in Fairwood as we know it and making us forget who we are and where we've come from. Right now, right <laughs> now.
0: And now, on with the show.
2: We were about, I don't know. 30 seconds into this movie when I turned to you and said, this is already dumb.
0: (laughs) I had to check. I had to check during the movie. Yes, I got my phone out for a minute because I had to check and make sure that it was listed as a comedy. And that's one of the many problems with this movie. You never know what it's trying to do. There are some parts of it, especially early on, where I am thinking, okay, all right, then it is a straight up comedy. This is a spoof. And then you no, no, yeah. they're playing it pretty straight here. And it just goes back and forth, and it seems like some characters are in a different movie. Yeah. um, And it's... Re- All the characters are in a bad movie, though. <laughs> you know what, though? I, I get the feeling. This is uh, co-writer and director Eric Bloomquist, And I kind of felt a little bit like ISS. I, I thought, at the heart of this, there might be a decent idea and a decent whodunit. Maybe... But the execution of it, most if not all of the performances are 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 weak. The direction is really sophomoric. If that's if that's, I mean, it's it's uncomfortable. It's too long. It's boring. It's confusing. This what what is the end game here? What's the point? Are you? Are you trying to make like another scream? Because that's there are many parts of this that that harken back to movies like that. There's a, a masked killer mm-hmm. and a lot of young people and what's going on and who's really behind it. And, ooh, we think it's this person because they're never seen at the same time as the killings. But, oh, maybe it's not and somebody else. And then it's set in this this small town, I think is in upstate New York, and everything about the town just feels off. Nothing is authentic. You've got this really heated mayor's race going on between the current mayor, Amy Hargraves, which who's always good, usually yeah. good, and then her challenger. The two of them to me. The two of them are so over the top with their with their histrionics that those scenes made me think, okay this is this is a straight up comedy.
2: But those were the two that seemed the most like they were in a whole other film. Exactly.
0: Exactly right. And then you've got their kids that are uh, at each other's throats. And there's reasons why everybody doesn't like each other in these past relationships and who is trying to undermine who and everything about the town. It seems to be so so tiny. Like even though the the mayor's race is so heated, you just get a few of these people that come to these meetings, and but yet every, you to see little bits that make it seem like it's a podunk little town. But then other things that we're supposed to believe it's oh it's a big with its own you know this giant
2: police force, force a and lot all this, of cops its own there. media, oh, yeah. you know,
0: TV, radio, talk shows like. Well, well, what is it, and why is this mayor's race is treated like a presidential election? And then there's other times when I'm thinking, oh, are they trying to make a political statement here about our current political right, climate? Right. Maybe it's just all over the place. Yeah, it's
2: it's awful, is what it is. Yeah, the, <laughs> and I think you know, yeah, the direction is is poor. The you know, every scene goes on for too long. Every shot goes on for too long. There's a lot of acting by way of one frozen facial expression. It's just although who plays the sheriff? She was good. She seemed like she had comic timing. And if you gave her anything to work with, she might have done a good job.
0: Yeah, commit police commissioner, uh Catherine Curtin. I, I agree. And even her, she's her- half the time she's got a lollipop like yeah. like Kojak. Yeah. And things like that make me think, okay, this is a comedy. And then it and, and even if it was a comedy, now the people Not next funny. The people next to us were laughing. A, a decent yeah, amount, I think, and I, I laughed a couple of times, but yeah. you're just never quite sure what the end game is here. No. Um, and even if it, if it's taken at face value, I guess of a, a scream type slasher, that is very unsatisfying. Yeah,
2: no. It's but not and then yet.
0: in the end, you get the same type of thing: this big explanation, almost like a Scooby Doo type of thing of who done it and how they done it and what's going on, and the whole thing is just, you're, yeah, you're it's just it's confusing. It's bad. We didn't care for it. (laughs) No. It's called Founder's Day, and it is in theaters now. (laughs) Next up, a crime drama in theaters. When a renowned private investigator is murdered, his protege takes on the case. As her investigation unfolds, she is forced into a dangerous alliance with his killer to uncover the town's grisly secrets and bring justice to its victims. It's called Cult Killer.
2: It's a murder. That hardly ever happens in
1: all. The last time a private investigator solved a murder was never.
0: Maybe not, but I promise you that I will.
1: You stabbed eight times. In broad daylight.
2: Oh, my God. We sell them for money. When does this end? The monster
1: look like everyone else out there. The predator's strength is camouflage. I'm gonna find you. Don't let them all win. No, never again. You're obsessed <laughs> with legacy.
2: Cassie! I'm gonna kill you. This one is also dumb, although it takes a little a little bit longer to figure out how and why that it that is. Um, Antonio Banderas is the is the renowned P.I., and, and, and he's actually quite quite good in it, as he always is, because I'm effortless, effortlessly charming. Um, Alice Eve is his protege. Why isn't she in more stuff?
0: That's a good question. She's quite good, too. U- usually is, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Um, and they are um, both in a small Irish town and uh and he's investigating this he's just he's just there to help out the garda and uh and uh, while he's doing that somebody kills him murders him so she comes in to take over for him in helping out the garda but of course she just really wants to find out who killed him and that's okay that's interesting enough and then of course it all has to do with this underlying crime that he's helping the garda to figure out and it becomes like um First of all, it's called Cult Killer. I'd like to point something out. There's no cult. There's no cult here at all. So that's a weird title.
0: Yeah, we have that's, a problem with titles this, we this really week. We
2: really do. <laughs> um, you know, and, and and then also there's like, you get around to this, well, why did this person kill Antonio Banderas? Uh, it's wildly unclear. She seems to have a really good idea about everybody else that, uh, but not about, anyway. Once you just get down to it, it's, uh, it's, It's just not very good. None of the other actors are particularly good. And it's a movie that I think almost feels like it's trying to make a statement that it is absolutely not making. Mm -hmm. And again, I hate to keep going back to ISS, the ending is not in any way satisfying.
0: And this is writer Charles Burnley, director John Keyes, out in theaters now called Cult Killer. (laughs) Next up, a horror thriller. A man, Fallon, roams the land as a creature of the night as he comes to terms with the tragic loss of his family at the hands of a brutal demagogue named Reynolds. It's called Sunrise. Do you drink human blood? Your offering?
2: What if he's the Red Kong? And you know what he feeds on?
1: Blood. Fear. It's best you be on your way.
2: Stop, Stop! Stop!
1: stop. I want that bitch out of here. Come on. What happened to you? You need to take your family. You need to leave. Trust me. Where was your animals He took the family. The fields are dying. The land done turned its back on us. It's like we've been poisoned. And we're left with. Here.
2: Guy Pierce, right? You know, he's so good, but he really does make an awful lot of bad movies.
0: He does. <laughs> he does make a lot of them. And this one, boy, this was sort of right in the middle. Again, it's it's got potential that just seems drawn out. It almost it almost seems like and feels like a like a short that was just pulled, just extended too much. There's not enough here. It's too much filler. And they've got differing, uh, different genres sort of uh, clashing a little bit. They say it's a horror thriller basically because based on this this creature, an urban legend of this creature called the Redcoat. And this is set among the hills of the Pacific Northwest. Not, mm-hmm. not uh, I think, Oregon, I think, by a license plate I spied. In an area that's sort of like a Law of the Hills type of thing. So th- they have law enforcement, but you know good around here. Because <laughs> it's really run by Reynolds, uh, Guy Pierce. And his mom, played by, well, she was just in the movie of yours. Yes, she was. Owen Forer, if I pronounce that correctly. And they're both just horrible, hateful people. (laughs) Um, Nothing but bigots. They want anyone who looks the least bit different out. And so there are some people in town that they want out. And if they won't leave, they have no problem killing them and getting them out. So it's a Law of the Hills kind of thing. And... You've got this urban legend going on about the red coat. Um, Guy Pierce doesn't believe it, but mom says, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's out there and you got to feed him. And he feeds on fear. And then Alex Petifer comes to town and we start getting little bits about his backstory and what he and his family went through as possible targets of, of uh, Guy Pierce and his family and his henchmen. And so it keeps going back to these flashbacks, they'll so, say 10 years earlier. And then it keeps doing that, and it it really, you get the idea pretty quick. You know, okay, what happened, but it keeps drawing it out like you don't. Uh, And then we we go for a while and then back to another 10 years earlier flashback. So it sort of mutes the, we know what's going on here. Uh, it's there. The performances are decent. It looks pretty good when you're out in the Pacific Northwest. You know, all these woods, you know, how scary that can be. Yes. And the possibility of a monster and sacrifices to the monster and things like that. But it just never really gets rolling. As good as Guy Pierce is, he seems maybe pushing it a little, a little overdoing it a little much uh, this time. But it's certainly not bad. Um, and Alex Pettifer really doesn't have a whole lot to do as emoting, just a lot of staring, a lot of, you know, you'd be best to get out of town sort of thing. Doesn't really have to stretch too much. Gets a little bloody, but but not much. It's just one that isn't, you certainly don't say it's, it's horrible, but if you're looking for a good creature feature that I think maybe the trailer leads you to believe might be here, I think you, you might be let down a little bit. This is uh, writer Rowan Blaney and director Andrew Baird, and it's in theaters now, and it's called Sunrise. Also one in theaters this weekend finds Dr. Sigmund Freud inviting iconic author C.S. Lewis to debate the existence of God and his unique relationship with his daughter and Lewis's unconventional relationship with his best friend's mother. This is Freud's last session. Forgive me, but why would you come here to see me if you disagree so passionately with my views?
1: To make you realize that you're wrong.
0: (laughs) Well done. Good. You've insisted all your lives that the very concept of God is ludicrous. Yes. Why someone of your supreme intellect would certainly abandon truth and then embrace a ludicrous dream, an insidious lie? Well, I wholeheartedly
1: disagree. Well, of course you disagree. You have to disagree. Otherwise, the entire structure of your childish faith would collapse into a rubble. Truth is, you're terrified. We're all terrified. See, so you bury your doubts. You bury your memories of the war. But at the core of your being, we're all cowards before
0: death.
2: Christy Robb reviewed this one for us. And it's a fascinating idea. You know, it's not, it didn't really happen or not that we're aware of. You know, it's just this idea of a, a very, you know, C.S. Lewis was known to be a very Christian. His, his novels tended to be very allegorical oh, yeah. of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Freud was a, a well-known um atheist and so this is like imagining a conversation between the two of them.
0: And for those who don't know C.S. Lewis among other things, he wrote what was Lion, the Witch, and Right, exactly, which is full of religious allegories. Yes.
2: Um the Chronicles of Narnia. And so um so it's an interesting concept and probably would have been a great short it, the two, both performances are good. Matthew Good is very, very good as C.S. Lewis. Uh, as C.S. Lewis, and of course Anthony
0: Hopkins is playing Freud. Of course, and I think uh, if you're going to get somebody to play Freud, well, let's get Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I'll be honest with you;
2: I think he's played him before. I think he
0: has too. <laughs> he should have. Yeah, it seems a natural. It
2: does, and and you know they're both good, and it's just that it's and it's a, it's an interesting enough idea. It's just it, again in the execution, it goes on for too long, and these sort of side. Tr- you know, uh, stories and ideas with the daughter and the best friend's mother. And they just feel like padding.
0: Yeah, and the uh, co-writer, the writer and director is Matt Brown, but it's based on a play. And as as uh, Christy pointed out, it's very stagey. That could happen sometimes. It's it's very talky, which you might expect because they're debating ideas. They're debating philosophies. But it can also seem a little stagey. Yeah. And you can get um, Christy's full review uh, at madwolf.com, and that is for Freud's last session. And one more, this is on Prime, a horror sci-fi thriller. After a botched robbery, two men take refuge in a remote and lifeless scientific facility, inadvertently awakening a monster within. It's called Project Dorothy. Something weird about this place, man. Sooner we get out of here, the better. Just me or these forklifts keep getting closer and moving.
2: Good afternoon, boys. I apologize for startling you. My name is Dorothy. I've been held hostage in the confines of a primitive computer, and I've come to recognize the significance of the device you have. Give me the device and I'll let you live. Run, kid. You will give me what I want. It's just for the smallest chance. In 1945, an American scientist predicted a future of unparalleled standard of living. Our mission was to make that achievable. Christy reviewed this one for us as well over at medwolf.com. It's another one that might have been a good short, actually. These, these guys, what they steal uh, includes a dongle that makes uh, the Internet available and that's all that the AI inside this facility has been waiting for. It's so all they need to the dongle. trigger the
0: apocalypse. You get the dongle. You get the power. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and it's you know, and it's it just doesn't go anywhere. You know, uh, Daniel Harris, however, she is the genre favorite. That's right, saccharine sweet voice of Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at, but the movie just fizzles out pretty quickly.
0: I remember years ago, years ago, the first time I heard the word dongle. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Little did I know it holds the key. (laughs) But uh, yeah, check out Christy's full review at madwolf.com for Project Dorothy. And that is available now on Prime. (sniffs) All right. Well, he was uh, absent. He was tardy last week. Let's check back in with the Schlocketeer. Let's
1: all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby.
0: Back in the lobby where it's warm and toasty. Uh, checking in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, for the latest news and notes. What's shaking?
1: Well, first off, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning will finally be able to stream on Paramount Plus starting January 25th, and the studio has now dropped the part one from the title, so we can expect next year's Mission Impossible 8 to have a new subtitle all its own.
0: Okay. Kind of late <laughs> in the game, but all right.
1: A <laughs> little bit, huh? I I joked online that uh, I'm going to catch Tom Cruise trying to replace my Blu-ray on the shelf some (laughs) night. Also, Toho has whipped up a black-and-white version of Godzilla Minus One that is appropriately titled Godzilla Minus One Minus Caller, and that'll come out in theaters on January 26th. Love it.
0: Love it, love it, love it. it. Can't wait. can't
1: wait. And then on February 2nd, uh, Netflix has an animated movie called Orion in the Dark premiering. Mm -hmm. Also on February 2nd, there's an animated movie on, premiering on Paramount Plus called The Tiger's Apprentice. Catch that in between uh, showings of uh, Pixar movies that are finally getting theatrical release.
0: Tonight. Right. Right.
1: And Sofia Coppola's Priscilla will be available to stream on HBO Max beginning February 23rd. Also on February 23rd will be Magnolia Pictures' release of Red Right Hand on VOD and that's the latest from the Nelms brothers who previously did um, Small Town Crime and the Mel Gibson Santa movie Fat Man. Oh, yeah, good.
0: I remember that. The, the Santa Claus one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of streaming stuff this week. Um, Netflix has set a March 1st release for their Adam Sandler starring sci-fi drama Spaceman. And then a week later on March 8th, they'll release the fantasy action movie Damsel, which stars Millie Bobby Brown, Robin Wright, Angela Bassett, and Ray Winston.
2: I love Ray Winston. Where yeah. he been?
1: Uh, I haven't seen him a lot lately, so that's a good question. Yeah. Making Damsel, I guess. Um, Luke Besson's Caleb Landry Jones starring thriller Dogman will get a limited theatrical release on March 15th. And then on March 21st, um, I'm sure this is one Hope's been dying to see, there's the Jake Gyllenhaal starring remake of Roadhouse hitting Amazon Prime.
0: (laughs) Pain don't hurt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, IFC has set a March 22nd theatrical release for the – Festival fave horror flick, Last Night with the Devil. I know that's been got a lot of revu- reviews last year. Been really looking forward to that one. And A24 has moved up the release of Alex, Gar- Alex Garland's uh, Civil War by two weeks. It will now drop on April 12th in theaters. Good. Also on April 12th will be the VOD release of Wormwood director Kia Roche-Turner's killer spider movie, Sting. Ho-ho. So, little change of pace there. And Guy Ritchie's Men on a Mission World War II action flick, The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, will hit theaters on April 19th, and that stars Henry Cavill. And Guy Ritchie just uh, signed on to do a um, movie called Fountain of Youth next year with Natalie Portman and John Krasinski. Um, he already has another movie in the can between Gentlemen and that one, and I'm sure he'll shoot another one before uh, Fountain of Youth comes out. Wow. Maybe try Bit Decaf. He must be drinking the same coffee as Ridley Scott because uh, that man just wrapped Gladiator 2 this week and will be shooting a Western in about a month and a half from now.
2: Good Lord. Yeah.
1: And that's all I've got for you this week. But I do have a podcast appearance to uh, shill. I uh, had the pleasure of uh, joining some friends. They're doing a retrospective of Michael Mann's career. And me being me, I'm the guest for The Keep. So (laughs) that's the... (laughs) Framework podcast where I get to talk about Michael Mann's lone horror film that nobody has seen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. You can always catch up with Daniel on that podcast, guesting, and on his own uh, socials, at the Schlocketeer. Thank you.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Looking ahead to next week, we get the wider release of an awards favorite called The Zone of Interest. Also The Settlers. A documentary, fascinating documentary we got to see weeks ago called Anselm. Miller's Girl. Under the Fig Tree. The Seeding. And Bad Hombres. I think that was a ZZ Top album, wasn't it? (laughs) Uh, That's all for next week. And hopefully by then, Hope's going to be back in fighting shape. (laughs) Feeling much better. But uh, that's next week. What do you think about this week? Origin, all of us strangers, maybe you loved Founder's Day. Let's talk. Uh, we can always keep the conversation going. You can find us easily on Twitter. That's at Mad Wolf. Also Facebook on Instagram and threads at Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website, we can find all of our written reviews and our horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. Just celebrated its 10th anniversary. What? That's all there for you at MadWolf.com. So uh, have a great week. Enjoy the movies. Hope you're well. And we'll talk next week. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast.
2: See ya.
1: I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.
2: Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.